Welcome to Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. On today's show, we have Aaron Williams, the CEO and co-founder of Social Samba, a startup focused on providing powerful tools for creators to expand their stories across multiple platforms. Hit shows such as Teen Wolf and Psych have used Social Samba to engage and entertain their fans. Um, I have a technical background, um, have a master's degree in computer science and used to write code, came out here to Silicon Valley, um, specifically to, you know, (laughs) write code and write the next great piece of software. Um, but I kind of got bit by this bug of not just creating great software, but actually creating software that can entertain. Um, I'd sort of grown up always loving stories and TV and movies and books and, so that whole idea of, of seeing software and how it can impact um, uh, sort of entertainment was always something that was really exciting for me. And I was fortunate enough at Sun Microsystems 10 years ago to join a team that was helping to get Java set up as a standard for doing interactive television on set-top boxes. So went and did that for um, a few years, went and did my first startup, was around interactive television. So really combining a video experience with an interactive experience on one screen. Um, and like I say, loved it, really thought that this was, that, that we were, you know, part of, or, or seeing the future. Um, but, but unfortunately the boxes never made it out into homes. Um, you know, we still are to talk, talking today about the same challenges of one screen versus two screen. How do you actually engage users? So I went back and did some enterprise software stuff and went and sort of took a different turn, sort of shied away from entertainment. Cause I just wasn't convinced that the platform was going to be there for people to connect with. And then about two years ago, um, sort of came around to this idea that social was becoming something that was the new platform, that was the new way for people to engage with each other. Uh, and so started thinking about, you know, how could that or how will that impact uh, entertainment, maybe social TV or social movies? Um, so sitting around with my co-founder, having a beer one night, as every good company does, it started over, you know, one too many beers. And we're talking about how much we love our friends and family. We were relatively late to Facebook, but how much we loved being able to connect to our friends and family on Facebook, but how, after we had another beer, how we had to admit to each other that, you know, our friends and family are pretty boring. These are great people, but they're not as exciting as, say, James Bond. You don't love cat pictures and pictures of babies? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I loved it maybe for the first couple of weeks, and then it got a little repetitive, and like I said, it got us thinking, you know, what, why can't we have sort of these awesome characters that are created by brilliant storytellers, part of our lives, just like we have our friends and family. And that's what really got us starting down the road of social samba and, and what sort of has always informed our vision for where we want to go, which is we want to create pervasive lifelong connections to characters through social. You get them today, you know, that, that connection that you make to the cars or that you make to uh, Toy Story characters is pervasive and it's lifelong, but it's not, it's not always there. It's not something that I can always connect to unless I want to go back and get the same story over and over again. And we think social gives us an opportunity to do something different. It gives us an opportunity to tell stories and to engage fans using a platform and a medium that is kind of the always-on thing. It's the thing you pull out and you check while you're waiting in line at Starbucks for your latte. And that is a different kind of engagement model than we've had before. Uh, And so we're excited about how we can use that kind of a platform now to be able to engage fans and tell great stories. 
and it's a platform for the professional and also for the amateur who may be training to eventually be a professional creator, but you're serving both uh, sides. Yeah, that's right. We, we started out just serving sort of the pros and we went and, you know, our first productions were with big dogs like USA Network and Warner Brothers and MTV. And it was it was a lot of fun. Like these guys tell great stories and they tell them on a major scale and they get, you know, half a million people to come in and engage with their characters. But what we realized, you know, pretty quickly, and this was, you know, sometime probably about a year ago now, was that, you know, they weren't the only ones with great ideas, that, that there were just tons and tons, thousands of people out there that had great ideas for telling stories. And, you know, one of the things we always told our customers was, you know, this, one of the key strengths of our platform is its ease of use. And so, you know, we finally had to look ourselves in the mirror and say, look, you know, if we believe this, let's put it out there. Let's see what the fans are going to create. Let's, you know, go all the way sort of down the long tail and see what happens when we invite uh, the fans to come in and create fan fiction. And it was, it, it, you know, it, it has been a huge success, um, surprising us even a little bit just in terms of the kinds of stories they create, but also the kinds of communities we can create around those stories. Now, have you developed creators within this platform in the sense of like when you look at youtube where they give money and they support the system or you you're kind of the early stage youtube where you give the platform out and then you let them explore and experiment yeah i think yeah we're definitely sort of the the, the latter and that's i think where we should be sort of at this stage of our growth i mean i think long term i'd love to see us be in a position where we can help those storytellers get to a point where they can get funding whether it's directly through us or whether it's by you know using this platform to get their book deal or movie deal to take the characters and make them uh, make them something bigger. Um, we believe in that whole notion of transmedia. You know, telling a story through social doesn't preclude you from being able to expand that story world and tell the story in a lot of different ways. We just think that telling it through social with a platform like ours is actually a very accessible. You know, everybody on earth now has one, sometimes two Facebook accounts, and uh, it's also very accessible because now that we're doing more with mobile, we're doing more of that kind of pervasive, always available characters. Uh, it's just so easy for you to go and create a kind of story, even if it's something that's relatively small, that can be a seed that'll grow into something big. Yeah, it's, it seems that a lot of the dual screen uh, entertainment startups have been all about creating new pipes to, to send stories through to the, you know, the viewer. But those pipes don't have the same amount of uh, users and they they have a certain amount of interactivity but by working with the social networks that already have a huge like uh, amount of uh, users you're able to like build upon something and have a much uh bigger uh base is that kind of the strategy like yeah. kind of working with something that's already working versus trying to recreate the wheel yeah that that's definitely the case and and for us it's not even necessarily just the social networks like when we work with usa we put the story into their usanetwork.com site and embed it in with the rest of their interactivity and the fact is you know we want these stories to be so portable that you can put them wherever your fans already are so if your fans are on twitter or facebook we'll put the story there if your fans are coming to your Dot com no problem let's tell them the story there the last thing we wanted to do was try and create something some 
you know, one more place that fans had to find and go to in order to engage with uh, the, the brands that they love. So we're definitely taking the strategy of, look, we're the, we're the, the, the behind-the-scenes platform. We're the thing that is the engine that makes the story great and makes the experience very personal for each fan. Uh, but uh, how they want to experience it, where they want to experience it, when they want to experience it, that's all up to the fan. Was, um, I noticed that Get Glue had some challenges uh, because it, it seemed like they weren't able to create that traction because it was almost like you have to be on their platform to make it work. You're giving a lot of flexibility. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I also want to make a very clear distinction between platforms that are focused on kind of check-in and, and, and discussion, kind of the, the new water cooler almost. And I think that's what's really gotten the press so far around what is social TV when people think about how fans are now engaging differently with their television. Having that kind of a virtual water cooler and that check-in ability is really important. And I think, you know, companies like Get Google Glue are doing a really good job of sort of capturing that and understanding how fans want to do that. But I have to say, you know, when I look at what I do when I watch a show, you know, I'm, I'm madly in love with Breaking Bad. I get my one hour a week. I love going into platforms like Get Glue and connecting with other fans for that one hour. And we talk about what's happening and we get the oh my God moments. But, you know, I think our platform is really focused on the other hundreds of hours when you aren't necessarily sitting there and watching that program on TV. So for us, it's much more about how can we do a better job of connecting fans to those characters outside of the one place they already know they have a great connection to the characters. Uh, and so for us, you know, I think it's, it's a slightly different take on the same thing. Like we want to enable fans to have a new, a new experience with television and a new experience with the stories they love. Uh, we're just looking at it more from a standpoint of story first. And so, you know, we oftentimes say, look, I, I want to make sure we're keeping the TV in social TV and we don't end up with just a, you know, a new water cooler because uh, I think I think we have uh, we have a lot of water coolers now. We've got, you know, Twitter and Facebook and and get glue and others. Uh, there's there's a lot of different places I can go and talk about my show. Uh, what I want is more of a, a deeper connection, I think. So it's about engaging with a fictional world versus saying, hey, here's a new way to talk about it. And there's so many different places people could talk about it. I'd say Twitter's probably, in my opinion, one of the best just to have a, a real-time conversation as a show's happening. It's almost weird because people always talk about, well, it's all about time-shifting entertainment and VOD and mm -hmm, all that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, some of the most innovative ways to you know have a dialogue a dialogue about the show brings you back to the appointment viewing of Twitter where I have to watch a show when everybody else is watching it so I can have that real-time chat or I'm watching an award show. So it's interesting as far as we go forward, we're also going backwards in some points. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely true. And I think it is interesting to see how there there are some aspects now that are are sort of driving people to to do things a little bit more appointment maybe if it's even just because you're you're afraid of getting that terrible spoiler that you don't want to accidentally run into uh next time you go to check your facebook page but i, I think you were also right before about sort of talking about the different levels of of engagement with a program or with a story um you know i think we, we look at it as sort of four levels one is you know i i watch the show it's very passive i'm just sort of experiencing what someone else is giving to me. The second level is I'm, I, I watch the show. It's very passive, but I talk with other people about the show. I get a chance to engage, and I think this is where those platforms have done such a good job. You know, as you say, 
Twitter and, you know, sort of the use of it during the Super Bowl, a great example of that ability to talk about the show or talk about the programming. And then the, the third level, though, is now I can actually talk with the programming. So it, I become almost a, a character in the show. I get to experience it. I get to interact with it. I get to participate in it. And then the fourth is I actually get to start creating it. Like I get to become part of not just the experience of the story world, but I get to become part of the creation of the story world. And, you know, our platform is really focused on the last two, sort of the deepest levels of engagement. How can we do a good job of getting fans to come in and participate with the characters? And then how can we even give the super fans the ability to create part of the content? And so, you know, I think as with any sort of adoption of technology curve, we've started to see it, you know, of course, everybody was watching TV. Now, you know, we're seeing millions of people come in and engage and talk about these programs. I think we're going to see that same level of engagement continue to shift, uh, down that uh, down that scale as we head towards more uh, deep engagement and more uh, actual creation or co-creation of programming. Great. And uh, we covered um, the Media Camp Accelerator on one of our podcasts, and it was very interesting hearing about that, you know, development into building out um, entertainment-focused startups and working with a big ecosystem that's usually hard to navigate, but this offers that bridge. What was it like working with them? Yeah, what a huge opportunity for us. So, um, you know, I think they, they really nailed two things. One, they really got everybody inside Turner invested in the program. So, you know, that I, I could call the, the important people that I needed to call and have those really interesting conversations with them about, hey, what should my pricing look like? You know, the conversation you never get to have with your customer, like we could sit down and have those kinds of conversations. And they just did a really good job of getting the executives and everybody bought into the importance of supporting us and participating with us in that conversation, which, uh, you know, I, I think was, uh, was, was just a really brilliant job on their part. And then the second thing is I think they just picked really good companies. The six CEOs and the six founders that we had, uh, we were meeting twice a week. We were getting together and swapping, you know, ideas and stories and scars and that whole idea of having that that kind of camaraderie, that ability to get together and share and talk, especially because we were six companies that were kind of on the bleeding edge of where we see media going. And six companies, frankly, that I think were further out than even Turner thought we were. I think they, they, you know, they even looked at us and said, wow, you know, you guys are thinking about some things that are, are really, you know, th these, this is really blue sky thinking. So those conversations, though, were really valuable uh, for the founders. And so, you know, like I said, I, I was I was super impressed with how much they invested in us, how much time they took, how they got everybody involved, how much of a platform they gave us to be able to interact with each other. Uh, just a, a really fantastic program. Now, what is the difference between the language you use when you communicate with uh, big executives in the entertainment industry yeah. versus when you discuss your uh, startup with journalists and transmedia storytelling or transmedia conferences like is it the same language or is it something radically different no no it's uh it, it's it, it's pretty similar i mean i think 
When I'm talking to customers, I'm talking much more about the kind of results we can deliver. Usually I'm talking with people that are responsible for a, um, a production budget or a marketing budget. They have very specific things they have to do with that budget. And in order for them to spend a little bit of it on me, I have to convince them that what I'm going to return to them is something that really helps them either tell a great story, engage, great, engage the fans more, give their uh, program more visibility, you know, all those kinds of buttons uh, that, that we know they're trying to push with that limited budget that they have. Uh, so I, I tend to be much more focused on those kinds of results in ROI. When I go out to talk to press or when I go out to talk to um, at, at events and such, uh, I love painting the big picture of where this is all going. Um, you know, I think the, the whole concept of how you engage with a fan, I usually start with the example or how you engage with a character. I usually start with the example of James Bond just because that's a you know, personal example of mine. Like if I could get those posts and comments with images and videos from James and his MI5 buddies, if I could somehow experience that, that piece of their lives and if they would come to me and say, hey, Aaron – you know, the money's coming from Geneva and the guns are coming from Rio. Like, where should I go next? What should I do? How are we going to track this bad guy down? Like, that kind of an experience is a fairly fantastic experience. And so I, I try and paint those kinds of pictures for, for sort of the bigger audience because I want, I want fans to get as excited about this as I am. I want them to understand that we're really heading into a space now where storytellers don't have to feel confined by only putting out one James Bond movie every five years because that's how long it takes to get everybody involved to give the green light and get the money and write the script and do the stuff. This can be something that becomes much more pervasive and much more part of our sort of day-to-day lives. So overall, it's, you're basically saying the same thing in different ways. Yeah, and, and like I say, coming at it from a slightly different perspective, I think. I, I think when I talk to the outside world, I tend to think of it – I tend to talk about it more from the fan's perspective. I'm a fan, and I like to sort of talk about it from what the fan gets out of uh, the next wave of, uh, of social TV and social storytelling. When I talk to the customers, I tend to try and speak their language a little bit more and focus on their, uh, uh, their goals and imperatives. And their goals um... – are a certain metric for success where if I invest this money, much money, I have the marketing budget, I get this, you know, return on my investment. And yeah. that could be uh, continue to engage a fan for a longer period of time so they're stronger and how they could spread, you know, in a sense, their their passion across their social network to bring on new viewers. So there's, there's a lot of different value uh, ads that you provide. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and it is different for each customer. That's one of the interesting things that, that we found. I, I kind of thought going into it that maybe the, that, the, that the industry had already consolidated around, look, this is what we get out of engaging in social platforms and with a social audience. Uh, but that definitely hasn't happened. We'll go into some customers and they'll say, all I care about are likes. How can you help me make my content more likable? Other customers, though, will say, no, what I care about is the depth of engagement. I want to be able to give my super fans that, you know, 35-minute-a-day experience where they can come in and talk to the characters and get that sort of magical back and forth between them and the characters. Um, other customers will say, no, no, actually, you know, I, I want to create a little bit of a gamification. I want a contest. I want to get fans to come in and kind of compete with each other, uh, which we can easily do with these stories. You know, we've told stories, for instance, where you come in and you're, you're basically being auditioned to join a choir uh, and the characters will ask you a bunch of questions they'll talk to you about what kind of music you like and in the end they'll decide whether you make it into the choir or not and because all of our stories have kind of that choose your own adventure feeling to them
system. We can have multiple endings and some people will make it in and some people won't. And so, you know, I think based on those kinds of features that we have, we can really lay out, look, you know, what are you trying to do, customer? How can we help then given the different kinds of stories we can tell that will help um, really provide a return against those, uh, those goals? And why do they have such radically different uh, goals? What is their motivation? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think partly the, the biggest piece is just because it's it's such an early. It, it, we're still very early days in terms of social. I, do, I don't think there is kind of that that one case study that everybody can look to and say, ah, okay, you know, this is what we get out of uh, engaging with social. And so, you know, they look around and look at a lot of different. Uh, sort of examples of what you can get out of social. Uh, I think if you look at the way brands are engaging, for instance, it's a it's another uh, good good um, example of how there's uh, just radically different goals with those uh, with the for those different brands. The good news is though they're actively engaged. I mean, the good news is they understand that there is a very uh, adept, very uh, open market out there for them to come and engage with fans. Uh, it's a huge opportunity for them. And so I think, you know, the good news is there's a lot of experimentation and a lot of people looking at it from different perspectives. I suspect over the course of the next couple of years here, um, we'll start to see more of that dashboarding turn into the set of sort of consistent metrics that'll make it a little bit easier for guys like us to come in and say, look, I'm going to plug directly into uh, the kind of uh, the metrics that I know you're already tracking, and I can provide you with a 20% or 50% or 100% increase in your, you know, viral awareness, for instance, um, just by uh, by creating one of my stories. And how closely do you collaborate with TV showrunners and brands? Yeah, very closely. Um, you know, my. We, Social Samba kind of prides ourselves on being a technology company top to bottom. Um, you know, we, we don't have any creatives on staff. We're not a sort of creative shop. Um, and I think that's been very good for us in terms of how we engage with our customers because uh, they don't want us coming in as an agency and trying to solve a problem for them. They want us to give them the technology, show them how to use it, and let them t- do what they do best, which is tell a great story. Um, so, you know, we, we really work, we partner with them. We work very closely with the showrunners and the writers. We sit in the writer's room and help them actually craft and create the story and give them a lot of guidance and sort of best practice on how to create great branching stories because uh, they don't necessarily have that kind of a skill set yet. Uh, but, you know, I think if you look at what we did last summer with Teen Wolf, for instance, with MTV, we spent about a week with them, helping them create the story and create the first couple of scripts. But then once they got the knack of it, they could go off and create the stories on their own. They didn't need us sitting there holding their hand uh, because, like I say, the, the technology and the platform itself aren't that hard to produce for uh, once you kind of get the first uh, – once you kind of get the hang of it and you kind of get a sense of what uh, what works. So you've created some pretty big successes with uh, these major um, entertainment you know, companies – because it's an easy-use technology, it works on top of a lot of social networks or the website, which if they want to bring uh, fans there. So it's kind of like you help for the framework, but you're not forcing the creative side of it at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we've been, like I said, we've been so fortunate to work with you know some of the what I consider to be the real leaders in the sort of digital space. Um, if you look at what USA Network is doing, uh, and Jesse Redness in particular, his team is really advancing, I think, what is possible and how 
um, sort of storytellers engage with fans. Excited that we got a chance to work with MTV and, and Warner Brothers and others. And we, you know, not to pound my chest too much, but we got nominated for an Emmy Award last year too. So I think on the, on the entertainment side, we've been really recognized as being kind of right on that vanguard and really producing something uh, that is driving the industry. And now, you know, the next big challenge for us is can we take that success with sort of the entertainment side and can we start to branch out now and enable brands to do a better job of also telling stories, uh, which I think is a really interesting challenge. You know, I think uh, when we go to talk to, to um, agencies and when we talk with brand managers about the challenges they have in social, it turns out they're not any different, really, than the challenges that the rest of our customers are having. Uh, they, they also want to engage fans. They want to tell them a story. They want to be able to give them a narrative, and they have a challenge of doing that inside the existing tools. Um, so for us to come in and say, look, hey, uh, you know, Coca-Cola or Geico or these other major brands, I can help you do a better job of engaging those fans. I can give you a platform that you can use to entertain your fans and tell them a story. Uh, I think it's, it's starting to resonate. So we did our first branded production uh, in December of last year with Norton, the cybersecurity company. Uh, we helped them create a story where you could come in and friend um, some FBI agents and help them track down a cyber terrorist. Uh, and, and it was great. I mean, I think it did exactly what they wanted, which was help to highlight, you know, kind of what Norton is and what they're doing in the world. And at the same time, it was hugely entertaining. It was, uh, it was really well written, I think. So, um, you know, now I think we're starting to take that success and use it uh, to, to branch out even further and, and, and get more of these brands involved in telling their own stories. And what have been the milestones of your um... – of, of the biggest hits that you've had in the entertainment and the branding side, anything that you could pull up? I mean, that you could just show that there is a real demand for this. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the the biggest success so far was Hashtag Killer. We did that with USA Network for their TV show Psych. That's the show that was nominated or the the – the instance of our storytelling that was nominated for uh, the Emmy Award last year. Uh, more than half a million uh, viewers came in. They spend, uh, on average, nine minutes per visit. They come back multiple, multiple times to engage with these characters. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the, the, the example of what's possible. And certainly, again, thinking back to what I was saying before about where's the ROI in this kind of thing, that's the kind of thing where you can really look at it and say, wow, we did a – we, you know, with that story, we were able to really deeply engage fans and help them bring their friends along and get them engaged as well. Um, I think if you look at what we did with Teen Wolf um, last year with MTV, I think if you look at the, the Norton example as well, you know, between those three, we've got sort of the biggest hits that we've had so far. And then we have maybe half a dozen other stories that we've told for movies with Warner Brothers. And we've done, um, you know, our first uh, our first work with Turner as well. Those, you know, all those things combined have really, you know, put us in a position, I think, where we've told more than a million stories now to fans. We've done, you know, we've we've, we've got enough data to show how fans engage, when they engage, why they engage. And so for us to be able to turn that information over to our customers and say, we're going to help you create the depth of engagement that you've always wanted, um, I think we're doing a good job of executing against that. And uh, why was the hashtag killer one of the most successful campaigns? Yeah, a couple things. I mean, I, I go back to sort of my, my... Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, it's kind of cut out a little bit. But uh, I was wondering why is that... Do you have any, do you have any um, kind of feedback for why that one was so hugely successful? 
Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I think it always comes down to story, um, first and foremost. So that was a really good story. Uh, it was very funny, and, and it was also uh, kind of a mystery that you didn't know how it was going to end. And it really it sort of draw, it drew you in and, and dragged you along, and, and you really wanted to come back and see what was going to happen or what happened next. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's the sort of the, the biggest indicator of success with our platform. And I think that's a good sign because what that means is it's not the technology. Uh, it's not the platform. They chose to put that out on, on their .com site. You know, MTV Teen Wolf put theirs out on uh, Facebook and, and on mobile as well. So I think we've, we're able to safely say the, the, the platform doesn't matter. The technology is rock solid and can scale up to millions of fans. So what matters now is, can you tell a great story? Uh, and I think that's exactly where we wanted to be, was to be able to, to put that challenge into the hands of, of people who we know can tell great stories. In a sense, you're almost like Red. They build cameras to tell stories, but they can't hold your hand. They build the best cameras possible, and if you're creative and you put the work in, you could do something amazing with it. So you're just providing the right tools. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy. And, and I think that's... That was always our, our goal uh, from the beginning, and I think we're uh, you know I, I don't see us changing uh, I don't see us changing anytime soon. Now we saw with Fourfall Studios that they try to attack the platform part of the equation and also the content simultaneously. Yep. But it seemed like that offered so many uh, obstacles because either side's you know extremely difficult. Do you think that lent to their fall is that they were trying to solve too many problems at once? Well, I mean, I think, you know, they won the Emmy last year. I, I don't know. I think they've done a great job of producing really good content. Uh, if, I, if I look at, at Dirty Work, I, I was really impressed with um, what they were able to do and the kind of experience they were able to create. What I can say for us, you know, when we started two years ago, we thought about creating our own content and we thought about, you know, hey, it seemed like that would be the easier way to go because we wouldn't be we wouldn't have to go out and try and convince somebody else to use the platform. We could just go use the platform to create content. But what we decided in the end was then we were going to be solving a hundred different problems at once. We were going to be trying to draw fans into a new property. We were going to be trying to prove a platform. We were going to be trying to, to create a great story. And all of that together just seemed like too much to bite off. And so what we decided to do was let's create the platform and let's go find big, big names that already have well-known characters, that already have well-established fan bases uh, that we can use then to really prove that the technology works. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I was laser-focused on how do we get to those first couple hundred thousand fans to come in and experience one of our stories and I didn't think we'd be able to get there if it was if it was up to us to go create everything. Uh, and now, you know, two years in, I can say, you know, that that I think our decision to focus on being a great technology company has really paid off for us. And frankly, you know, it's it's our DNA. So we're not trying to be something we aren't. Uh, it's really in our wheelhouse to create a great platform. And uh, I think we've just been really fortunate to be able to partner with uh, with such great storytellers. And it's even by narrowing your focus, the challenges are still there. You're still adapting. There's still business development. So it's not like, oh, it's easy. Now we're just no, focusing on technology. Yeah. That's extremely difficult. And I think with Fourfall Studios is that they've created some award-winning content, and that's very impressive. But at the same time, they also have the platform that they're developing. It, that Once you have all those different things at once, that's where you're like, wow, that's, that's a lot uh, to take on. 
No, you're exactly right. And and like I said, I think the time we spent, the time it took us to sign our, our big customers so we could go get those big productions, that was hard. That was hard work and it took a lot of time. And like I said, I, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't say that either one is a, is a cakewalk, but I, I think you're right in the end uh, that uh, trying, to, trying to build up a studio and a uh, platform at the same time uh, just wasn't something that, that I was interested in, in trying to take on. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, I think a little bit of focus when you're a startup is, uh, is a good thing. And um, moving on to the users for Social Samba, do men and women use it the same way? Or have you noticed that there's a certain style of interaction that, you know, each gender typically uh, lends itself to? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and this goes across other sort of demographical splits as well. So one of the things we were really interested in early on was, you know, are, are we creating a platform that is really targeted at one, you know, maybe it's 13-year-old girls are the only ones that use this platform, you know. Uh, and so we were a little worried about that. I think what we were able to show early on, though, with the diversity of programming that we've been able to put out there is that, again, I hate to say it, but it all comes back to story. You can tell a great story inside social samba that is targeted at 30 to 40 year old men we did that with covert affairs uh which is another usa show and we got the fans to come in who happen to be you know men not women and not teenagers to come in and engage with these characters and and participate in uh another uh, another story with us and so then we've we've also you know swung to the other extreme and done the the teen wolf story which is all about sort of the the younger girls now i will say the you do get different interaction patterns between those. Uh, so while you know you still get the same depth of engagement, you still get the fans you know trumpeting how much fun it is and how much they love it. The thirteen-year-old girls just naturally share more, so they'll go into Teen Wolf and they'll sit down and talk to the characters for twenty minutes and they'll share you know fifteen things out of that conversation back to their friends. They'll say, "Oh my God, could you believe that the character said this?" Or, "Oh my God, look what he's saying to me now." And when you you know when you have older people or or uh, and and men as well that come in to experience the story they definitely aren't as sh- they don't they don't share as much at least not back to social uh as uh, as the the younger and and the the females do and and i think you know like i said for us uh, w- at the end of the day what we then do is we take that information and we use it to tell a better story that's really targeted at the audience that you have. So, you know, when we're telling those those younger stories, we put in opportunities, very specific opportunities for them to share and very specific posts that we think they're going to want to share uh, into the story. And we don't worry about that uh, when we're telling uh, stories for older folks because we know that for them it's much more of a one-on-one experience. So it seems that the, the young women – they want a, a, a social experience where they'll share their experience. Well, maybe men maybe want more of a solo experience where it's just more focused. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I, it's it's hard to be quite that black and white because the the difference in terms of number of shares is you know the the women will share ten times and the men will share eight times. So it's not like we're seeing a, a radical difference of you know the the women are sharing two hundred percent more uh, than the men. So it's it, but I think it is significant. I mean, I think it definitely does point out sort of that difference in terms of, um, you know, what they, what their expectation is, how they interact, what, what they're doing socially 
on a day-to-day -day basis. And that matches the data that comes from Twitter and Facebook and others about how the different genders engage with their social networks. Uh, the women just generally share more. The women just generally check in more often. Uh, so it's not a surprise that when they engage in our fictional social networks uh, that they have that same uh, behavior pattern. Now, you look at not not exactly the same business as yours, but if you look at Zynga, they'll have a game and it'll create huge success. And then they want to roll that into a new IP that they've developed. So it's almost like one will leverage into the next. Yeah. Can you imagine film studios and TV networks taking a really popular uh, you know, campaign that you've created but using that as a launching pad for an entirely new show that they'll be able to bring fans into? Yeah, of course. And I, I think maybe the best example of this is what happens already uh, with telenovelas on you know, Telemundo and Univision. They, they, they have these telenovelas that come in and they go for maybe six months or four to six months. Uh, and then the show ends. And these are like miniseries. These, these aren't like our soap operas where they just go on and on and on and on. These telenovelas have a beginning and an end, and then once that telenovela ends, then they have a new one that comes on after that. But there's not that same continuity like you're talking about. It's not, hey, I'm going from season one to season two. Instead, it's I'm going from this program with this set of characters to a whole new program with a new set of characters. It's a similar tone, but if you look at, let's say, the Avengers yeah. or even CSI, how yeah. they'll do spinoffs, is that they'll build an audience and then figure out a new way to take that audience and migrate them to an entirely new uh, story. Yeah, and, and I think – and. I, I think that they do a fairly good job of, of sort of creating those touch points already between those story worlds. So, you know, as you say, you'll have – there's always the episode of the one show that spins off the next show, right? And I, I think that's kind of a common sort of um, a way to get fans of one story world to part, start participating in the next. We can do the same thing through our, uh, through our social storytelling. We can have you interacting with multiple characters from multiple different shows and using that one interaction then as a way of sort of helping you bridge the gap between one set of characters and another. And in some ways, doing it in social is actually more sort of natural uh, because, you know, if you have uh, CSI New York and CSI LA uh, or CSI in, in Vegas, Having those two different locations means that somebody's got to get on a plane in order for those story worlds to collide. Uh, whereas, you know, for us, we can just say, oh, you're in the middle of this conversation between these two different teams. They're talking online. They're sharing evidence online. They're talking about crimes. So that kind of thing, I think, makes it a little bit easier. And we can even take, you know, characters that you wouldn't ever expect to be together, put them into a chat and have that be sort of a, a, a fairly natural experience. What's that? And could you add assets like videos to the experience along with the text so you could have some little video assets that you keep building upon that? Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's everything you expect from a social network. So it's uh, posts and comments, but then images and videos and likes and links, all, everything that you and I would do if we were sitting down and having a conversation inside Facebook, the characters can do with you uh, using our platform. And you know, we use the we use real likes out of Facebook. We link people out to real sites. We, you know, it it feels very much like a real social network. And our goal uh, from day one has been to make it so that if you understand what it's like to talk to somebody in a social network, when you come into Social Samba, uh, the experience that you get will be very very familiar. You'll just be talking to James Bond instead of talking to your sister. All right, perfect. And uh, the last couple of questions. Is social, social Samba a gateway drug to make regular viewers into hardcore fans? 
I hope so. Uh, I mean, I think the um, the one thing that we've seen and the thing that, that we're really excited about, I can give the case study of what we did with um, with MTV. You know, they, they knew they had super fans. They knew they had girls out there that just loved Teen Wolf and could not get enough Teen Wolf. But I think what we helped them unlock was just how many of them there were and how voracious they were to be able to connect to those characters. They didn't have that sense of, hey, how many of them, how, how many people would really check in seven times a week to connect to my show or connect to my characters? Because, you know, the stuff that they put out on their traditional Facebook channel is a bunch of marketing stuff and it's behind the scenes stuff and there's, you know, it, it's good content. But they're getting 1% of their fans to engage or maybe 2% if, you know, if it's a particularly great post, they'll get 2% of their fans to engage. So there was always this open question of how many, how many really hardcore fans do we have? And I think when we put out the story and gave those fans content, gave them something that they could come in and experience and really made them feel like they were part of the story, as soon as those characters started calling those fans by name and asking them what that should happen next in the story – I think they really saw it, really opened up for them uh, who those fans were and how many of them there were. And they came out and said in Mashable that, you know, our this experience was one of the reasons why MTV went and picked um, Teen Wolf up for its largest scripted purchase ever because it really helped them unlock, oh, my God, they have a ton of super fans out there. Uh, and with our platform then, we help – we help really arm those super fans with the content they need to help draw in the next wave of fans into the uh, into the story and into the uh, into the show. So, you know, that's just one example of yes, uh, you know, I want to turn every fan into a fan, uh, into a super fan, make them a lifelong fan, make them a pervasive fan uh, of that brand. Uh, and I think the platform's already doing that. All right. So, final question. All right. If you ran a, a TV network mm. and you have all this knowledge from your startup, all the analytics to see how fans behave. What major uh, decisions would you make to, to change how the industry um, operates? Well, I mean, it's a great question. And I, I, um, I think the, the one thing that we've seen uh, that, that everybody talks about, by the way, but nobody quite does, I don't think, um, or at least nobody is really able to make it happen yet, is to be able to switch from being in a campaign mode and season mode with your shows to being in much more of a constant connection mode with your shows. And, and the same thing is true for brands. I think um, in the past, we had been so wrapped up in, okay, my show is on for eight months out of the year, I'm going to spend nine months actually, you know, talking about the show and engaging. And then those other months, I don't have to worry about it. And I'm only investing money in the months when I'm talking about the show. And I'm only really focused on the fans when the show is on air, because when it's not, they have no other way to talk to me anyway. And now that's not true anymore. Now you have all of these different channels where fans are talking about your show, are talking with each other, and they want to talk with you, and they want to talk with your characters as well. And so I think we need to get into more of a mode of what are we doing to connect to fans year-round, not through a campaign mechanism, but more through a sort of consistent, constant connection uh, with the fans. So, you know, selfishly and personally, I think that means we should be creating 
interesting, you know, social stories that fans can engage in year round. We should be able to have, you, you know, I should be able to go and get my Breaking Bad story uh, at least once a month and go in and talk to the characters and find out what's happening in their lives and not have to necessarily wait for the season to come back around in order for there to be, you know, budget and attention and money available to go excuse me, to go engage. And I think as soon as that sort of gets unlocked for one show, as soon as one show really says, look, we're going to go do this year round, we're going to make this available year round, and they really focus on being able to make that happen for their fans, I think it's going to really open a lot of eyes because I think a lot of folks are going to realize uh, what the opportunity is that they're missing by just sort of ignoring uh, what's happening in the world uh, for several months out of the year. So you lose your audience and then you're in damage damage control when you come back. You're like, where did they go? But you're saying that take a take something out of like potentially a marketing budget or something to retain your fans and grow your fandom so when you return you come back even stronger than before. Exactly. And and it's really more about spreading it out. I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about them spending more money. I'm just talking about them being a little bit more having that money spread out a little bit more and being able to sort of allocate it differently because like I said now it's so focused on this kind of campaign strategy. Uh, where you invest a lot in a very short amount of time and then you move on and invest in something completely different. Uh, I would rather see them spread that out. I'd rather see them be – and they can still say, hey, look, you know, for these three months, I'm going to really focus on this particular uh, program. I'm going to figure out everything that needs to happen for that program for the whole year. That's great. I, I, I think focus is important. You can't have somebody that's just spending uh, you know, one day a month focused on, on a particular program. But at the same time, if you spread that out, if you make that so that it's a little bit – more elastic, a little bit longer, a little bit deeper. Uh, I think you have an opportunity there to engage fans, and uh, and exactly as you say, you don't end up in a situation where you're sort of um, you know binging and purging on uh, on your engagement with fans. Oh, great! Well, that was a very like that was an exceptional uh, response. I I really respect uh, how you you tied it together. It was like an article being written in real time. <laughs> it was uh, to the point, and uh, it really opened my eyes. But thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, and um, I uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Sit down. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. You can check me out at peterkatz.net. That's KTZ. And you could also email me at catsfilms at gmail.com. If you have any questions or any ideas, say hello.